Look, I'll be honest, right from the top here, it's a bizarre feeling on a Monday morning when you've only had four games of rugby league over round 12 of the Telstra Premiership. It's almost like the Clayton's weekend of rugby league. It's the weekend you have when you're not really having a weekend of footy because it feels like we've been shortchanged. Mm. And as I say in the classics for a long time, if I can put myself in the classics, <laughs> but I've always said when we have these split rounds where the origin teams suck all the stars out, well, a lot of the stars anyway, excluding the um, the Kiwis and the Poms and whoever else. The top 34. Yes, but you take the, take the best New South Wales and Queenslanders out of the competition. It's like you suddenly you've got a McDonald's franchise, but for that week you can't sell Big Macs. So you, they're off the menu. It's like, well, how, how would you go running a McDonald's franchise and you can't sell Big Mac suddenly? That's my analogy anyway. Hi, wow. I'm Warren Smith along with <laughs> Lara Pitt and today a special guest appearance. We are honoured, Lara, because Matty Russell is once again not with us this week. He's still on uh, secondment over there in Eastern Europe somewhere. But Hannah Hollis joins us for the very first time on Take Me Now I've said it all. G'day, Hannah. Hi, We're guys. Long-time <laughs> listener, first-time guest on the show. Oh, I love that call. Yep, listen to it every we week. We had to get a Queenslander on, didn't we? Just we did. Re- feel revolting about ourselves. You've got to even, <laughs> even the ledger, guys. Come on. Yeah. Too much blues chat. Are you, we'll get to Origin. Are you pumped, though, just off, yeah. the, off the top? God, yeah. Bring on Wednesday. Ready to go? Yeah. Confident? We're planning social activities to... We bring, are bring in the Hollis, origin period, aren't we? Hollis v Pitt on Wednesday <laughs> night. We're going to be watching it together. State versus state, mate versus mate. Mm. Yeah, at the that Ari. Extends all the way. Yeah. <laughs> at the Ari. Yes. Which one? A North Monday Ari. Oh, yeah. well, they'll be massive. They'll be selling tickets down there now to see you two get out. <laughs> With the gloves on. Uh, or maybe the gloves off. You know, you know if, Matt, if Matt Russell was here, he would derail the chat and say, put us in some jello and put us in bikinis. Oh, oh, stop that's, it. That's where it would go. <laughs> You're that's already right. killing it. You're, this will be a rating hit. <laughs> I used to, um, a couple, me and a couple of mates used to get down to the... Uh, Clavelli um, return services. Um, it's a, And it's a, just a, a pretty old, old... I don't even know if it's still functioning as... A return services club, air services club. Um, it was, yeah, pretty basic, mm. the old Clavelli one. So um, it's to live around the corner there at one stage. So it was a great location. Mm. You could load up and then just stumble back around the corner to home. It was <laughs> yeah. great. But back, great big screen at this one and, yeah, yeah it's nice. lots of festivities around. So hopefully it's packed and good atmosphere and lots of jibes. It's a great way to take in an origin game or a big sporting mm. occasion. There's no doubt about that. I don't know if we t- had too many big sporting occasions over the – the course of the weekend with the Panthers uh, beating the Seagulls back on Thursday night. The Eels got the Rabbitohs. The Raiders beat the Bulldogs. Both Hannah and I were there at that one. Mm. And then yesterday, well, it was tight and it was gripping and you couldn't look away, I guess, but it was only six points to four between the Cowboys and the Titans. And it meant there was only a total of 16 tries scored over four games of the weekend, so I guess that you know, in some ways, proves my point about them. You know, the McDonald's franchise not having the Big Macs, and as a result, there's not much sparkle or fizz mm. or, um, as far as the games were concerned. Uh, it was a little, a little meagre, and off the back of it, unsurprisingly, there's plenty of talk about what we do with Origin. And I was, I wrote a column for the Western Weekender out there in the. the Western suburbs of Sydney in the Penrith district uh, last just uh, last week saying we've been through all these discussions in the past mm. about what you do around origin and how can we solve it, how can you get the best of both worlds. But really, there's nothing that can change. You can't have origin after the season because the interest wouldn't be there mm. and you couldn't have – you couldn't stop the competition. Why? Well, we, imagine having rugby league 
on Fox Sports and then basically for three weekends. Now, we could still have, I guess, um, as we will in around Origin 2, mm. which is played on a Sunday night in Perth, we'll have the uh, Island, uh, the Pacific Nation tests. Yeah. So, but, but maybe you could stretch that out over the three series. Yeah, I just don't know games. that. I don't start from a, from a TV broadcaster point of view. Mm. I think it's good for one weekend and it really highlights those nations. Yeah. I just don't know if it holds up for three weekends without any NRL played at all. Mm. I just don't see how you could stop the competition. And then again, I don't see how you could have Origin and do it justice if you played it on a Wednesday night and had players playing on the weekend and then backing up for their state team four or five mm. days later. That's not going to happen. It's certainly much better than it used to be, that's for sure. So There's no question about yeah, that, yeah. We're, and we're always going to talk about it, weren't we? It mm. just keeps mm. coming up. Every and, year. Yeah. But there, there is no perfect solution. I don't think there is at all. I don't think you can stop the competition because, yeah, it's a long – it's a a long time, three weeks, to just be focusing and building around the state of origin concept and not having footy on your screens every weekend. Mm. Um, yeah, I think they've looked at it that many times. They must have. Yeah, yeah. and I don't know that, that, that there is a solution to I it. I know with the uh, the NHL, so, you know, I've referred to um, leagues in the, in the US a lot because they've been doing it a lot longer than us, at a bigger level than us, um, and professional, you know, for 100 years now. All their leagues, if they have been going 100 years, the hockey hasn't been going a 100 years. But the NHL used to suspend. So when there was an Olympics being held and all the stars from the NHL would go and play in the Olympics mm. for uh, the former Czechoslovakia and Russia and all the different um, Finland and Sweden where so many players come from to play in the NHL, they would suspend the competition for a number of Olympics in a row, but they've stopped doing that. So at the last uh, Winter Olympics, they didn't do it and all the stars had to stay and play for their NHL teams back in Canada and the US. So, um, you know, it, 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 there's no way you could say to the clubs, we're going to play Origin, you can't have your players for a set period of time. Or You know, it's just there's no perfect solution. Yeah, I, Wayne Bennett's summed it up. He's been doing it for however many years now. Yeah, and long time. <laughs> it was 30 plus years. Yeah, interesting listening to him at the press conference at Bankwest on Friday. He just said, you know, there's some clubs are going to definitely be hit by it more than others and it's definitely a managing who manages it the best. Mm. But in his experience, if you have more than four players in your team in origin, it's very hard to manage and to win a competition. And again, as a Dragons fan, <laughs> he, he went back and referred to the 2011 Premiership when mm -hmm. after winning the title in 2010, the Dragons started the season, has the Rabbitohs have on absolute fire mm. and then Origin came and he still regrets that year because he said he had obviously tried his best to manage it but the Dragons had that many players in, in, involved in Origin that they came back and they just fell apart at Went the back same. end of the year and they finished I think fifth or something and, uh, yeah, that was that was sort of – on track to go back to back, and all the talk was Wayne's going to be you know, able to do Wayne's it. Be it. Yep. Since the uh, and then, did it. yeah, I found I found it interesting that he said, you know, four plays is probably the most you can handle. Well, how many? Because you can rotate and rest them. Yeah. After the Origin series is over, and he's got to manage someone like Cookie, who's going to play eighty minutes, versus some other clubs that are going to have players interchanging throughout mm. the game mm. and maybe not as fatigued. But how many did Melbourne have? in the Queensland side or throughout State of Origin in 2017 when they won the premiership because Craig managed it and he managed to do what 
Wayne was trying to do. Mm. Uh, in 2017, well, Billy Munster, uh, Billy, <laughs> my God, uh, I've just combined two great players <laughs> here, like Cameron Slater Munster and Billy Slater. Back. Uh, yeah. They probably had... So it was Munster and had, it would have been Cooper and Cameron Smith. Chambers. Chambers. So that's four. That's a threshold that passes yeah. Wayne's. Yeah. Yeah, they had. I mean, they had four. Like, you know, in, they had the big four back in the old days mm. uh, when when they were all still together: Inglis, um, mm. Smith, Slater, right. and Cronk. Uh, and I guess Chambers uh, at some point might have made it five mm. for mm. them. I'm trying to think back. Now, Josh Addo cars there for the Blues. That's right. So I mean. You know, the Dragons get, are the test yeah. case from last year, aren't they? Because, mm. you know, apart from 2011 when Wayne Bennett was there, but last year they had a bunch of players involved. They were flying again yeah. mm. and once more it fell apart in that last third of the season badly and there's no question that the effort from all those players involved in Origin really told on the Dragons at the end of the season and, and they didn't go out with a whimper because they beat the Broncos convincingly in week one of the finals. But it mm. wasn't the campaign. It was certainly building to be at the halfway mark. I just think that's the one thing that fans get frustrated with about Origin is that we all love it at the time and, you know, you mm. let your players go and you want to cheer them on in New South Wales colours or Queensland colours, but then if it means that your premiership chances are dashed Sky afterwards, afterwards um, yeah. because your players either come back busted or tired or mentally shot, which does happen to some players, then your season as a club can go down the toilet. So, yeah, it, it's it's such an important time of year because, you know, you might be cheering if you're a Rabbitohs fan right now, but who knows how you're going to be feeling in round 20. Mm. We make a lot of the results over the weekend, the mm. fact that the Rabbitohs got beaten by the Eels, mm. Rabbitohs missing all those players quite obviously. Um, I guess you could say the same thing about um, the Seagulls missing Daly Cherry Evans, but they've been winning without him. They've been winning without Tom Travojevic. So mm-hmm. that one, I guess, could have gone either way. Um, the Raiders snuck home against the Bulldogs, but again, they were missing plenty of players in your figure. At full strength, they might have got the Bulldogs a bit uh, easier mm. than they did. And then the Cowboys without Michael Morgan in particular yesterday, that was a, a massive effort to get home without him. Mm. Um, so uh, it's more, I think, the effect of the teams who have, yeah, as you say, four and five players involved as the Dragons did last year on their longer-term prospects as opposed to those individual results. So these two, we'll have the two split rounds and the results are affected and skewed by who's missing and who's available for some of those teams. But when we play as many games as we do, 24 minor premiership games, I think we still end up with the top teams being the top teams. Mm. It does. It's not like it's a third of the season where they're playing without their players. So, I mean, if you go back through the premiers over the last, you know, half a dozen years or longer, mm. is there anybody who won the comp who wasn't probably in the top two teams that season in reality? I mean, last year, the Roosters comfortable with the best team. Yeah. The Melbourne the year before were one of the great, had yeah. one of the great single season teams ever. or records um, that you could ever wish to see. They were phenomenal. Mm. So you can, And you can go back through it. The Sharks were great in 2016. The Cowboys um, did what they did in 2015. So, you know, it's hard to argue that even though we have origin, it does impact the competition. These, sing- these, these rounds, these split rounds, this one in round 12, and we'll have it again in, is it round 16, I think? Um, it's hard to say the, they really affect the competition, but what, is, what can affect the competition is how much of, a, of an origin lag you have mm. off the back of having players involved and all the effort that goes into and, and losing them from your system for great periods 
of this five to six week period we now have. It's been condensed by a week. It's now five weeks from game to game. It used to be six weeks. But of course, with the lead into game one and everything involved in it, and then resting players off the back of it, which mm. Craig Bellamy has done, which you know a lot of the clubs have done mm. more and more, I guess, in recent times. Um, you know, it, it it has an effect, but I yeah. still think at the end of the day, when you go back through the premiers and the teams who play in the grand finals, we probably still get the best two teams over that twenty-four game season who mm. play off for the the premiership each year. Yeah. I get that. Does that sound fair yeah, and one, reasonable? It's fair. Yeah. One thing I will say is usually, I mean, I'm trying to come up with this off the top of my head, but usually when a team wins a premiership, the following year their team is suddenly pulled apart by origin. Yes, no question about that. So, yep. you know, it's like what comes first, but that's usually what happens. So they've won the premiership. The Blues and the Queensland sectors go, oh, they're so good. Let's pull <laughs> them out. They And then, yeah. you know... I mean, there's consistent players that are there all the time, but that's what I guess makes it so hard to go back to back because if you're killing it for your club and you win a premiership, people go, oh, yeah, let's chuck him in and, and give him a crack. And I think the Roosters are an example of that. Like they'll they'll struggle after origin with the amount of players. Oh, no doubt about that. Lose. And it will be a, mm. a huge effort having won the premiership last year and then getting through origin um, this year and if they can contend again or find themselves in the in the grand final, boy, it'll be a massive effort and a great mm. coaching performance by uh, Trent Robertson, especially when Luke Keary is going to be missing for probably, yeah. um, you know, another six or seven games at a minimum, it would seem. Um, mm. I was talking about Luke Keary last week, weren't we, about concussions. I spoke to him yep. at the great Bonnie Doon Golf Club uh, last Wednesday. <laughs> How is he doing? Um, he's doing okay. Like, he's seri- I mean, we, he takes we, it very seriously. I, I'm, I'm completely seriously, yeah. trust me. He, he knows how serious um, his situation suddenly is. Mm. He's had three... Pretty good concussions. You know, I say good, I mean big concussions. Heavy, yeah. In his last 10 games of rugby league, going back to last season. So, uh, you know, one more, if he comes back and would suffer another one this year, yeah. that would be season over. So he wouldn't play again this year. Is that, is, is that confirmed? That's, that's pretty much yeah. how it would play out. Yeah. Um, you know, reading between the lines. He didn't say that, um, but, you know, that that's probably given he's now going to be sitting out for the best part of two months for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, that takes us all the way through to whatever time of the season. So another one would see him sit out, even a similar period would be season over. So that's sort of a given anyway. Um, that's not too um, groundbreaking news right mm-hmm. there. But... You know, another one, as we said last week, given what we know now and the advice of, um, you know, the experts and while he's seen the best people in the country for uh, this one and this time around and his, uh, you know, short-term health. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, he's getting to the point where, you know, one or two more and his career is in grave jeopardy. So It comes at an interesting time given that when we're having the discussion around concussions, mostly we're talking about the big props through the middle, the big forwards doing all of that grunt work. But when you see someone as sort of small as Luke Keary and you kind of look at him and he, in a playmaking role, you would argue he's not really making heaps of those tackles. I know sometimes they can get um, hit late after a kick when they're all relaxed and that's really dangerous. But I think Luke Keary would be one of the first playmakers that we would see um, have, have real issues with concussion when um, – so often it's actually the forwards. Do you know what I mean? So I feel yeah. like it it just wouldn't do the game any favours if if positions all across the park were then suddenly under threat. Yeah, and, that, you know, like he's such a – he's not a big bloke at all mm. in, in any regards and you sort of see him and you just wonder how he can compete with the monsters who are out there and, you know, he's on the end of a, a, a tackle 
from you know one of those monsters when he gets uh, cleaned up the other week at uh, up there at Newcastle. So. Yeah, it's a tough game and they earn every dollar they get and then some because um, they really put their bodies on the line, as we well know. Um, the upside, of course, of the split rounds is that you get to see players stand up and make a name for themselves. Mm-hmm. And Hannah, you and I were at uh, the Raiders and the Bulldogs on Saturday night at ANZ, which turned out to be you know, a great game as far as the closest of the game, a bit mm. like yesterday, even though it was low scoring. Um, it was 12-10. The Bulldogs came back and made it 10-all. And even though he's picked up an injury coming out of it, uh, Corey Horsburgh, who's been enormous mm. for the Canberra Raiders in his rookie season, um, he's played under-20s for Queensland in the past, and he has, you know, uh, sorry, as every player in the comp does, designs on playing rep footy. He wants to be a, a Queensland Maronian at the full origin level, but he's played under-20s origin. He was fantastic. Yeah. Standing up in the middle of the field and, and replacing Josh Papali the other night. and um, Big shoes to fill. Even though he'll miss a couple of games now with his elbow injury that he's picked up, uh, I thought he was sensational. Mm. And for a young bloke to come in first season playing in the front row and standing up, I know the Bulldogs haven't been setting the world on fire, but even so, um, when you're out there amongst the big boys and, and you've got to deliver, yeah. um, I thought he was fantastic standing up. And, and um, he, they've got a really good front rower there in Corey Horsburgh, don't they? Yeah, and they're, they're investing in his youth. He's the fiery redhead that fans across the rugby league community have grown to love since he exploded onto the scene. We're, we're getting this new look forward pack, I suppose, um, by Ricky down in Canberra. And, yeah, it, it's, it was his chance. It's a shame he did fracture his elbow, so he's out now. But he's certainly making a name for himself in the opening, what, 12 rounds of the competition, mm-hmm. along with the lights of John Bateman um, and... and bunch of the others like Hudson Young as well like there's just all of this great youth coming through at Canberra so it's really positive signs. So what did you think of Hudson Young and the eye gouge? Well that was a curious one because mm. during the game um, and the coverage as it you know pans out with different replays and things after there's that situation with Aidan Tolman um, it was really difficult in the commentary box at the time to sort of really see clearly what had happened in that tackle but then we saw another angle. Did late. he complain Aidan? At the time, I was... Yeah, well, he, yeah, he did. So he, he, he officially complained. Well, I don't know if he made an official complaint. I don't know if he approached the referee and said, I want to make mm. a complaint, as it you know has to be or usually is, say, in a biting charge or a biting so situation. he was put on report, though. I think he was put on report um, for the concern from the referee's point of view and maybe the bunker, given that they have all the angles available... Um, because I'm they, just trying to figure out the difference then between Josh, Josh McGuire. McGuire. Only because the ref was saying if you want to, you can make an official complaint. So was that because they didn't have enough evidence in the bunker to just take action themselves? I think with Josh McGuire's, they just, you know... I know it, it slips was a con- out of shot. ...concerning action and it just yeah. wasn't a clear enough shot. But I think mm. with the angles we've seen subsequent to the match with Hudson Young, yeah. Yeah. that, boy, it's... You know, it looks pretty cut and dried. But he just had loading, so that's why it's he has it's loading. A so his early plea will be five weeks. If he was to fight it and lose, it, it would be weeks, seven yeah. weeks. And he has that loading because of an exact, you know, basically the same charge from the New South Wales Cup mm. last year, which all counts to the NRL uh, between the two grades. So, so uh, yeah, he's going to miss. I think he's going to take the early plea. I think, yeah. I think they were like resigned to their it. fate yep. that, that we'll just take the, take the five weeks and there's no point fighting and losing and adding an extra two onto the end of it. It's just so silly. It a bit of so, a brain exposure. Yeah, exactly. And maybe that indicates his youth and inexperience. But you look at that and you go that if John Bateman hadn't um, come back into the squad, Hudson Young would have been part of the starting team for the very first time for him. So that was a big deal and he could have cemented a, a spot there. But reckless behaviour like that, you'd imagine Ricky Stewart would be furious. Just It's just 
silly. It's silly things like that that now see him out of the game, uh, away from the Raiders when they're already so depleted for the next five weeks. It's not the time. Speaking of young players, I was at Bankwest mm. on Saturday, uh, Friday, whatever night it was. <laughs> I don't know what day it is. It's Monday. Um, and it was my first visit out there and uh, it was really, I guess, not many people thought that the Rabbitohs could, you know, re- recoup having the players out mm-hmm. that they did. But uh, it was it was great in commentary to watch uh, the, the youngsters that came in, Billy Britton, Connor, mm. Connor Tracy, uh, Bailey, uh, Bailey Sirenen, and I spoke to Big... Uh, Big Zero, Zero Senior, before the game. And he was there with his whole family and and brother, his big brother Curtis was there too. So um, just seeing those guys get a crack. And and Sam Burgess, I spoke to before the game, he said it it does make a huge difference to the week when you know that these nice stories are are around the team. And whilst, yes, they they couldn't quite put it together when you chuck together in in the heat of the battle and you don't get a lot of game time to to work it out not many games in a row together it's obviously going to not come together necessarily but um yeah he said the week uh, week was really great to to see them because there's so many good stories with the Connor Tracy one in particular mm. i don't know how you, you come back from one ACL let alone three to the same knee yeah i thought a doctor would say mate probably not going to happen yeah. well, you, and there's a bunch of players you know Tauta Moga Slade Griffin is now having injured his knee last year for Newcastle He's had to have yeah. at least three different surgeries to repair different things. It was just like the most horrendous knee injury I think they've ever seen. Yuck. Um, yeah, that was and cool. he's not going to play for this entire 2019 season. Like He yeah. won't play again until the big early 2020. Mm-hmm. So that's, mm-hmm. it's going to be 18 months basically. So and when they now get back in six months. Back, that's crazy. That, that's right. You know, you're that dedicated, which of course you are because it's – you know, it's a short it's your livelihood. You've yeah. got to do it. Um, but w- one thing I will say about Banquest is that I hadn't been there, as I just said before, and um, that whole fan experience underneath, I don't think... Where the players come through Yeah, and I don't game. think fans that ha- haven't been realised, like, go and check it out. And if you can get tickets to the field, that's called the Field Day area. Field the field, F- field of Dreams? Yeah, is that, it that big? Yeah, but I think that on the tickets it's called the Field... The field. It's just called the field and okay. you get the tunnel experience yeah, and there's awesome. a special function. But the players are walking through there two hours prior to kickoff. So you can have a yarn to Sam Burgess or whatever. Wayne <sighs> Bennett's po- uh, so good. stopping for selfies with all the fans <laughs> with his wry smile, the kind of crooked <laughs> one. And um, it was awesome. Like I was just saying, you know, we're spoiled that we get to sort of Experience see these guys that. all the time and talk to them and it's a job. But if you're a fan and – we all are deep down. It's just not – you can't compare it. And even before kickoff, they had um, a very small group of para fans were allowed on the sideline to watch the warm-up, like down ground level. Cool. Anyway, just, yeah, a fantastic experience. And West Tigers have their first home game there uh, next week, this coming Friday. Friday night. I'm Friday. calling it, in fact, uh, Tigers Raiders. And yeah. it's the first time I will have called from ah. Bankwest Stadium. So I can't wait. So I'm good. really pumped to uh, be out there on Friday night. Mm. And I'm doing the Dogs and the Dragons at uh, ANZ cool. on Monday, on the, the holiday Monday as well. So a couple of good ones uh, for me coming up this weekend. Before we wrap up on the Raiders and the Bulldogs, I also want to mention Chan's Nickel Klockstad, oh, who yes. has just been one of the revelations <laughs> of the Premiership. And... 
again, when I talk about these sort of players coming in, I always sort of evolve into a chat about it just proves that there's enough talent going around to add a couple of teams for expansion for the NRL. And I know if you added two more teams, we had 18 teams, not 16 in the NRL. How good would the origin period be? Well, it would be fascinating. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it would also, you know, it would dilute the comp a little bit as far as the talent levels are concerned. There's no question about that. But I think there's, you know, it's when you see someone like Charles Nickel Clockstad come in, who was just a player, you know, a fringe NRL player, would play five or six games a year. If he'd stayed at the Warriors, he'd get a chance, you know, when there were injuries or whatever yeah. else. But here he is. He is now one of the stars of the NRL. He had an enormous game yep. against the, the Bulldogs on Friday, Saturday night, rather. Yep. And then I'm up on the field with Hannah and Braith and Astor after the game. And the Raiders fans, to their credit, all the Raiders supporters stayed and went mm-hmm. down to the bottom of the, the front row of the um, stadium and getting, you know, autographs and selfies and high fives and whatever else from the players after the game, which was fantastic from the mm. Canberra Raiders players. And then, you know, you sort of know a lot of the players and was chatting to C.S. Oliola and Jared Croker and then I hadn't met Chance before and he saw myself and Braith and he, he made a beeline for us. He was mm. super excited. Can you believe this? To, to come over and meet Warren B Smith. and Nasta and W <laughs> Smith. I mean, the poor kid. Oh, stop what's it. what's yeah. happening? He's so appreciative and grateful. You ask him. I remember, like maybe round three or round four, I did a Raiders game, and I was like, "How are you liking Canberra as a place and the team?" And he's like, "I love Canberra. There's so much to see and do. There's so much more exploring I have to do." So you know, Ricky Stewart's always struggled with the recruitment pitch, trying to get players to come to Canberra. We see he's gone over to the UK to bring them all out here similar conditions but Chance is the exception you know he's from New Zealand but he just loves it there and um, he's just become such a fan favorite because he's so reliable and with the whole Jack Whiten move from fullback into 5'8 people are like you know who's this Chance guy he wasn't getting got the Warriors are we going to be like are we getting the dregs from from mm-hmm. over in New Zealand but um, in the 76th minute of that game when he bundles Marcelo Montoya into touch a total try saver otherwise the dogs could have scored and won the game well, yeah. And that would have been a Raiders side of years gone by where they just kind of throw in the towel. But the tenacity and determination of Chance, like he was exhausted. I spoke to him after the game because he was down on on his haunches. He, he, after every game, he gets down on his knees. Um, and I've done this a few times and I've gone over just to see if he's okay. And he's praying. Oh. And I'm like, that's so nice. I love that. You just take your time. <laughs> and when we've done like post-game interviews with him, and I can hear the producer saying, Hannah, we're coming to you. And I'm like, you know, no dramas except Chance is on the ground finishing his prayer. Like, just let him do that. And so the commentators, Warren Smith, will know you just have to keep filling until you kind of get the all clear from the producer and then you go down sideline to myself and who and whoever I'm with. But And that's um, funny you say that because yeah. I was, now that you mention it, I do remember thinking at the time, why am I filling, filling, filling here? What's happening <laughs> down on the ground? Who are we talking to? They didn't sort of say who you were going to be talking to. Yeah. So, you know, it's pretty, you know, cut and dried. We, it's, you know, follow the bouncing ball, game finishes, <laughs> wrap it up, do the score, bit of whatever else, and then throw to whoever's on the sideline, whether it's you or Matty Russell or Finchie or yep. Andy Raymond, um, with the well, man of the match or yep. one of the stars of the game. And I was filling and carrying on and whatever else and thinking, I don't know what's going on down there. And there you go. So yeah. I didn't yeah. realise that. Yeah. So it's really special. Chance is such a – so polite and so friendly and he's often the very last Raiders player on the field with the fans. He's the last one to go into the sheds. He will almost go and shake the hand of every fan that has come out 
to support them. And I just, I love that. I totally respect that. Having spoken to him uh, in the flesh for the first time on Saturday night, he reminds me physically of Laurie Daly. He looked uh, yeah. facially a little really? bit and similar sort of build to Loz. Um, and a great, and the way he plays the game reminds me a little bit as well of Laurie Daly. Just a really well balanced, hard to tackle first up. He beats plenty of kick chases, mm. um, stays alive, had that long run himself and almost scored, only to be stopped by Suaso Sue mm. only a couple of minutes before he makes that try-saving tackle right. on right. Marcelo Montoya. So, um, yeah, the way he gets around the field reminds me a lot of Laurie and he looks a bit like him as well. So ah. I think there's a lot to like about Charles Nickel Clockstad and the, uh, the one jersey for the Raiders. So I follow Charles on social media, on Instagram and, and a bunch of the other players just to get a bit of an insight in, in, into what they do outside of it. And I don't know if you guys have actually noticed this, but on game day, every week, regardless if they're in Canberra or if they're travelling, he will go to the gym and he will do what I just thought was like a warm-up. But I was talking to my boyfriend about it and he's like, no, honey, he's, he's, they're heavy weights he's doing. It's not just like light weights and high repetitions. And I was like, okay, and he goes along with Sia Soliola. So there's a couple of them that do it. And um, it was a few weeks ago, it was the launch of Bankwest Stadium. Josh Hodgson was doing NRL 360 that night. So um, I found Josh before he was going on to do NRL 360. And I was like, hey, can I ask you, why does Sia and Chance go to the gym? But like on game day, I would have thought they want to conserve all the energy. And Laurie Daly was standing with us. And um, Josh is like, oh, it's a primer. I'm trying to do an English accent, but I'll just stop that. <laughs> and I was like, what's a primer? And he goes, it's when guys go to the gym to not to warm up their muscles, but they do a workout that produces the maximum amount of testosterone in their body so that by the time kickoff comes, they are peaking essentially. So they have the most testosterone um, are sort of flowing through their blood, which makes them more aggressive, more active and more athletic essentially. And Laurie Daly was saying the All Blacks do it. And he's like, right. and Laurie said that he tried to implement it into Origin a few years ago, but you just need you need the entire team to build into that sort of, to buy into it in order for it to work. And it just, it didn't really get buy-in for everyone. So he just mm. called it, but he goes, that's what they're doing. Um, I and wonder so, how much energy that uses up though, before you've even a ball's been kicked. Mm, but you know, you look at the way Chance is, um, Chance is performing and you're like, yeah. okay, well, hey, if it's... If Maybe it at 24. It broke, not, how old is he? 22? 24? 22? Yeah, he's young. Uh, not I'm 30, not sure. Not at 30. I can tell you because I I've got But, it, like, C is I've not that young. I've got it written down in C my notes. Oh, C is doing <laughs> it too. Yeah, but yeah. C is a freak. He's just, like, <laughs> he's not... He's, he's like, 18. Charles Nickel Clocks, that is 23 years of age. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I just thought that was really interesting, yeah. you know? Like, they're looking at these ways to to just produce a natural hormone that's amp there. Amp up just themselves. Amp them up, yeah. yeah. And I thought it was a warm-up. Uh, Marty Tapau used to do it with when he was at the West Tigers, and the Tigers were aghast. Uh, Jason Taylor, when he was coaching there, they were trying to convince Marty to not do as much powerlifting and deadlifting and all the things that he used to do <laughs> sometimes on game day. Mm. They were like, oh, mate, don't do that. Save your energy, whatever else. Right. And so Marty's gone to the Seagulls and he's been killing it ever since. Yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> Read into that what it, you will. It wasn't working out for the Tigers in mm. lots of ways uh, for a period there, not just with Jason Taylor as coach. But, well, it hasn't worked out for them in lots of ways for... A decade plus, hasn't it? Mm. Last time they were ser a serious contender was 2011 and it's been a long, lean uh, stint for yeah. the Tigers fans uh, from that point onwards. Um, what else coming out of the weekend? Uh, the Panthers, that was a win they just had to have. Their record now is still four wins and eight losses at the halfway mark. So Slowly as we talk about, if, if 12 yeah. is the cutoff as far as wins, they need to go eight and four wow. in the second half of the season. I can't see them doing it. I That's can't see the Titans winning nine of their last 12 to make the finals of the – 
the dogs won't win nine of their last twelve mm. to make the final. So I think we can put a you know the pen through those three teams. The Panthers they have a bit of star power, and if they get it going, they can run off a streak of wins potentially. But at four and eight, I don't know that anyone is coming back from four and eight. Now, Lara is madly pointing at the Dragons. <laughs> because they, oh. they only have four wins also, but they have a game in hand. So they're four Whatever. and seven, and should they win against the Dogs on Monday, their record will be five and seven. And I just mm-hmm. think in my little mind there's a world of difference between four and eight and five and seven beyond the one win and the two points you get for a win. I think the five and seven... Just from a mental point of view, I think you just think, you know what, we're only a couple of wins off being a 500 team, as in, you know, 50% win, 50% losses. Right. And we know that will probably get, you know, that'll go close. If you can win 12 this year, the way the comp is shaping up, the Eels are eighth at the moment with a six and six record. If they replicate that, they'll go very close to making the finals this year. Last year, no, because it was different. There was a massive gap between the top eight and the rest. Yeah. In reality, this year, that gap, those middle teams are pretty close beyond. So the Newcastle Knights are six and five. They're in fourth. And then you go all the way down to the North Queensland Cowboys, who are in 11th. They're six and six. Mm. In effect, they're only, you know, a half game away from the Newcastle Knights. It's good. I like it. So it's quite between fourth and 11th. There's nothing between all of those teams. So at five and seven, you still, you know, you think, come on, if we can get it going and win three or four in a row here, we're there. We're in the eight. Concern for the Dragons is they've got no James Graham now, no Tim Lafayette, and they've got... A thousand players playing Origin. So, how do they go against the Bulldogs usually? Terribly. On that? Excellent. Well, they beat them forty points to four. We did, yes, back they at, did. Different, different <laughs> circumstances. Did. But this game is notorious for okay. being Bogey a team. shocker. Yep. Doggies, righto. The Bulldogs did beat the Dragons thirty-eight points to nil in round twenty-five last year. Was it the final round or the second Not last that. second last round? One of the last one of the last couple of games of the season. Thirty-eight nil. That's right. And then yeah, so then when they played the Broncos. Everyone was expecting Brisbane to win and the Dragons just came out and blew them off the park. Crash bang wallop. That's it. So um, if we continue on there, the Warriors are also on four and seven. So uh, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th, all with four wins or less. The Warriors at four and seven. And and again this week, they play the Storm at Mount Smart Stadium. Uh, Players backing up or not backing up Mm. for the Melbourne Storm, as the case may be. We'll wait and see what Craig Bellamy does with his team. So if the Warriors can win that one, uh, get themselves to five and seven, well, then they're right there in the mix mm. as well. But I think for the moment I'm going to put a line just above Penrith and say the mm. Panthers, the Gold Coast and Canterbury, their prospects of playing in oh. September are over in the We finals. will reassess uh, next week. We will. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll reassess when oh, we report, do our end of cards. second term report card mm. after uh, the first 16 weeks. So we're halfway through term two. Yep. And you've all done very well, kiddies. <laughs> and uh, 10 out of 10, very good. Gold star on your mm. reports and essays. But mm. we'll wait and see what happens at the end of that term two for the, yeah. the rest of the, uh, the competition beyond the Panthers, uh, the Gold Coast and uh, the Bulldogs. Now, mm. it might be opportune to talk a little bit about Wednesday night. 
Mm-hmm. We're recording this. It's Monday morning, so we're around, you know, sort of 57 hours or 58 hours Two away more sleeps. from game time. Two more sleeps, as you say to the kids, mm. uh, from New South Wales taking on Queensland up there at Suncorp Stadium. Mm. And it's really hard. People keep asking me all weekend, it doesn't matter where I've been, people say to me, what do you think? What, what's going to happen with the game? <laughs> do you like New South Wales' chances? Do you like Queensland's chances? Blah, blah, blah. Well, I, I mean, my, my stock standard response has been, I've got no clue because because it's such, I think, a, you know, a period of generational change in both these teams, um, especially for Queensland, off the back of all the success they've had with all the stars one by one bowing out, whether it's Cameron Smith, Cooper mm. Cronk, Billy Slater, Greg Inglis quite obviously now as well. So it's a very different-looking Queensland team that will take the field on Wednesday night, while New South Wales, I guess, a little more established from the point of view. They won the series last year. Not as many changes, although they still have five players on debut. So it's really hard, from my point of view, mm. to get a feel for how this will play out. And Queensland, Daly Cherry Evans hasn't played for five weeks. He's 100% right to go. He 110% to- he, he told was. me in the flesh last <laughs> week at Brookvale Oval, I'm good to go, trust me. And I'm sure he could have played last week against the Titans if he really wanted to. But um, he was focused and, with the club's blessing, focused on... Origin one for Queensland because they knew he was probably going to be the captain if picked and he's been picked. Uh, Josh Maguire hasn't been running much with the team and uh, Moses Mbai's got a groin issue. He's been carrying for a number of weeks now with the Tigers. So it's hard to line them up, but there's stars aplenty in both teams, starting with the fullbacks in Kalen oh. Ponga and James Tedesco. Yes. Oh, I, I can so talk good. about the players. I have to take the players out of it because... Going up to Suncorp is the hardest trip. If they win this New South Wales, that will well and truly prove that they have turned a corner mentally. We right. know they've got the strike power. It's, an, sure. it's a great team. But going up there, there's just something, it's just impossible yeah. to to take the crowd completely out of it. You have to be a madman. Like Clemmer will love it. Love it. <laughs> He'll run out there and want to take people's heads off, but you all need to be like that. Everyone, no one can afford to be intimidated for one second. Mm. And Queensland, I'm always going to be sceptical. Hannah's always pointing that out about me until there is a a good (laughs) level of consistency from New South Wales winning Mm. series and and really... Asserting dominance just because it hasn't been that way for so long. You're just a a product of your past. It will will mean absolutely nothing what Freddie did last series if they don't win it again this year because that's what everyone will say. Mm. As was the case was for just, Laurie Daly. Yeah, it was a one-off. Right. After winning the con- winning Origin in 2014. And all of a sudden the minerals aren't working and, you know, <laughs> yeah, the breathing the yoga, and the yoga doesn't work. Feet. But there is a, a whole level of unknowns right now and mm. until that first game is played and we get a real sense of who's going to grab their opportunity and who's going to Be freak, overawed by it. Freak out. Yeah, overwhelmed, yeah. But, yeah, I love all this build-up around mental games and, and – whether I'm sure they're all sitting there in respective camps going, I wonder what they're doing 100%, right now. Yes. Well, we do know that Queensland partly have been doing, or maybe the coach himself, the great Kevy Walters, our good mate here at Fox Sports, and he's an absolute champion, yes. Kevy. Um, I won't hear a bad word said about him. But he's been controversial because he's gone out and employed the services of one Bradley Charles Stubbs, which is a curious way because you don't really hear too many people refer to themselves as their full name. Anytime you hear someone's full name, it's usually at the top of the news. What's your middle name? And it's not really, I'm Dennis. 
Um, <laughs> Warren Dennis yep. Smith today. Um, I'll, I'll, so my dad's Dennis and then his uh, father was Stanley. So my dad's middle name was Stanley. So there's like this okay. generational oh, yes. thing. My family's um, the same. My young bloke uh, has been lumbered, <laughs> lumbered, lumbered with the baggage of being a Joshua Warren Smith. JW. And I'm guessing in the future if Josh has kids and one of them happens to be a boy, uh, we'll wait and see. He can do what he wants. So there's no pressure. Um, <laughs> but if he chooses to name his son uh, Xavier sure. Joshua Smith or whatever he wants to call his son, then fair enough to him. But that's just the way it's, it's worked um, in like the Smith. It. I don't know why it is. Just, I just thought it was a pretty cool thing. I thought, oh, I'm going to keep it going. I could have gone another way. But, yeah, I've, I've, you know. Mm, I'm we in, do it too. In, in for a penny, it. in for a pound. So I thought, oh, yeah, okay. Oh, no dramas. <laughs> um, but Bradley J- Charles Stubbs has uh, ruffled the feathers of those outside the Queensland camp but very much involved in the Queensland organisation, including the chairman, Bruce Hatcher, who said last week when asked by the journalists, he said, I can hand on heart say I knew nothing about this coach whisperer. I'm astounded a bloke thinks he's so good he can charge $5,500 an hour. That's effing crazy. Wow. He said, Kevy gets a budget and the QRL is very strong on complying with that budget. There is some discretionary spending. I would be amazed, though, if Kevy has spent that amount of money for an hour. I'd I, love to know how this came out. I'm sure it's not from Kevy. The, the think, fact that he was using... Yeah. Well, I, you know what? Because this is one of those things that normally comes out at the end of a series when you've Correct. won True. it. And everyone goes, what was the secret? And then someone says, well, I saw this guy. Well, remember yes. last week, though, we were sitting here... Going what doing. And yeah. Kevy had literally just been half an hour before we did start the podcast last week. Kevy had announced the Queensland team. Yeah. And it was a curious, yeah. in the extreme, wasn't it, press yeah. conference. Yeah. I mean, Kevy was using some language that Kevy doesn't... Normally, and I don't mean bad language, just the, his terms of phrase were, you know, oh, we expect to win. And at that and that was the clue. You didn't have to be much of a gumshoe or a detective mm. to go, we expect to win. We expect to win. Where have I heard that before? And so those who are aware and, it, it, you know, given his links with the, the Roosters in particular last season... You didn't have to go too far to say Bradley Charles Stubbs because on his very front page of his website, Bradley Charles Stubbs has expect to win, done, 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 drive the drivers, lead the leaders, coach the coaches, Hmm. mentor the mentors, I get results, exclamation mark. Mm. That's the first thing you you see when you log on to bradleycharlesstubbs.com. So when Kevy said... We expect to win. More than a few light bulbs were appearing above journalists' heads and they went, hang on a second, we've heard that before. The link, I think, was very easy to make. And then they started asking questions and, you know, it was pretty obvious what's been happening. Kevy's been spending time talking to Bradley Charles Stubbs, motivational speaker to a number of organisations. He claims the Rabbitohs from 2014. He's worked with Trent Robinson um, in 2016. To what extent? We don't know. I don't know. He's definitely... I've never asked He was around the Roosters even, I'm sure, as recently as this year. I've seen him up the tunnel. Sure. Sure, I've got no... I mean... He's hard to miss. He's got a pretty... I was always like, who is that guy? And he's in a suit. He's dressed in their colours, in their Roosters tie and everything. So... Anyway, it, it's totally it's totally bizarre. I think if if Queensland had lost ten years in a row like New South Wales had, it wouldn't be so 
strange. I think it's mm. just interesting. Oh, I think it'd be open slightly. You could go with anything yeah. at that stage. Here's a, here's a checkbook. Go and buy whatever you ha- can yes. to win us back yeah. the shield. But, yeah, I think after one series loss, it, he's obviously maybe the idea that Brad Fittler did it so differently last year and, you know, he did. He Everyone was a bit like, wow, this is a bit quirky, isn't it? Mm. Um, but it worked. And it doesn't worked. mean it's going to work. Yeah. For, for you Queensland. and Queensland have had their own success that can't be just thrown away. Yep, like you can you can leverage off whatever culture you've just had for the last mm. decade, and he has because he's still got JT, Billy Adam Smith, Billy mm. all in and around the camp the whole time. I just wonder whether the the way this is all being played out in the media and the different take on it all that Kevy's had is going to therefore translate to a different camp. And Queensland have always been a very laid-back camp, unless it's two Kevies, the Kevy we're seeing, and then Kevy's just behaving exactly as he normally would with the playing group. Mm. And we won't know that because we're not actually in camp. Yeah. That's a good point. Because Queensland's always been so modest, right? Like, you know, even even when you'd ask Cam Smith back in the day about Origin, he'd always be like, well, if I'm lucky enough to be picked, and everyone goes, okay, mate, yes, you're going to be there. But it's that it's that whole attitude of, you know, we're not going to come out and say we're going to win, we're going to win, it's whitewash, we're going to win the series, 3-0, up yours, um, no lose. One that, no yeah. one says that. So I just think from a Queenslander perspective, it was just uh, – Maybe jarring, I guess, when you heard Kevy talk about you're like, where is that coming from? Just because that hasn't been the Queensland way for so long, and you're like, oh, do you do you need to be doing that? And then, of course, the media jumps off the back, like jumps on the back of it, and mm. he's like, oh my gosh. What well, Daily Chervens mentioned New South Wales today in his press Stop conference, it. Wow. and he said it's a twenty dollar fine. I'm sure he was joking. Well, that would have Bradley yeah. Charles Stubbs um, out of his tree because he's adamant that you can't talk mm. about the opposition. That's been you know across the. You know, the digital world, uh, it, you pick up the paper, You've had, it's been hard to avoid the talk about it. And mm-hmm. when, when, you know, when the QRL chairman comes out and says, I'm totally perplexed by this, Kevy has said nothing to me or the QRL board mm. to my knowledge. He said, I've always had the view that footy is a basic game made more complicated by the people who play it and coach it. Even Wayne had a stab. I respect Kevy enormously and he regularly bounces things off me when he's doing something. We control very closely how much money he has spent. So all this stuff is just like if Kevy loses the series, I'm very concerned that having gone to these extremes as far as bringing somebody from very much outside the fold into, not into camp as such, but bringing that mentality, that philosophy to the players and insisting players don't talk about New South Wales and don't mention the Blues, whatever else. Mm. I think it's put a lot of pressure on Kevy, um, and it, you know, of his own hand. So um, mm. we'll wait and see how the series pans out. But I think Kevy needs a win suddenly. More than he probably needed a win anyway, because they've become used to success up there suddenly after you know from two thousand and six through mm. till basically now, having won eleven of the past thirteen series. But if they lose two in a row, it's probably going to be a little bit of pressure there anyway. But I think there's a lot more pressure now given what's happened in the past or what's, what's come to light in the last seven days. It has mm. been fairly remarkable. Mm. I can't wait. No, it's going to be great. And it just adds an, <laughs> it's it's a, it's another it's wrinkle to this whole, you know, the vortex as we described it last week that Origin is. There's so many storylines anyway, but, you know, wow, this, this, this was right out of the blue. Yep. <laughs> Quite literally. <laughs> Pun intended. So how, oh, yes. They have also some big talking point this week has been mm. around the Indigenous players not choosing to sing the national anthem. Mm. Um, 
And I think NRL, the NRL's come out and said that's their right, and they I they support that, them. Yeah, yeah. I think that's. I think they've handled it handled it really well. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. The NRL, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Well, for sure. I think the NRL. I mean, it's just been reconciliation week. We've just had the Indigenous round in the competition. The NRL's also thrown their support behind the Uluru Statement from the Heart, which is about um, constitutional recognition for Indigenous people. So the game's really demonstrating this genuine sense of leadership in a space with it, within Indigenous affairs that can be so political and so contentious, and people often feel. Um, like suffocated, that they can't actually voice an opinion or say something. But this has really, those few things recently I feel like has made the players feel they're they're in a really comfortable space. What's interesting though is this isn't really new. Certainly from my perspective in last Origin series, we had five Indigenous players and I was watching them at the time. They didn't sing the national anthem. They just stood there arm in arm with their fellow blues brothers, but they didn't sing it and no one made a song and dance about it. Then at the Indigenous All-Stars this year, Cody Walker was named captain uh, and I remember being in camp with them and talking about it and they're like, well, we're not going to sing it but we're not going to make a big song and dance about it. It's just not something that represents us. So you watch the vision and they stand there arm in arm just staring out into the crowd and no one said anything. And yet now I feel like ahead of this Origin series, it's become, it's really got people fired up because it's become this public debate Um and I'm not sure why now people are suddenly feeling offended um, by the players exercising their right to not sing the national anthem. And I feel like it's – I would like to think that we are now starting to have a real conversation about that and there are people out there that want to be educated in this in this space and go, okay, well, why don't they? Can you explain to me why these lyrics, why the national anthem Advance Australia Fair doesn't necessarily reflect the family values and the views of our Indigenous players? And um, – yeah, I was doing a bit of reading about it for myself as well and this goes back to when I used to work at NITV back in the day, but only since 1984 has Advanced Australia Fair been our national anthem. Before that it was God Save the Queen um, and there are certain words within the anthem um, that Indigenous people just don't reconcile with, things like fair, Advanced Australia Fair. The idea and, and is we are young and free. We are young and free. That's not necessarily the case given the juvenile justice incarceration rates of Indigenous Australians in um, in the country. So the idea around the word fair is often thought of, oh, it's, it's the land of the fair go. Come on, mate, give us a fair go. And that's how I suppose most people would regard it. But when the anthem was written so many years ago... I forget who actually wrote it, but it was around the same time as the white policy had come into play. So this whole idea about the stolen generation and breeding out the black. So there is an argument there. There's a debate around what the word fair means. Does it mean fair go or fair in skin colour? There are things like that that you don't always learn about in school. So you grow up, you sing it at assembly. Um, It's only when you become older, I suppose, and you start to do your own research about it, if you are inclined to be educated Mm. in that space and want to sort of engage more deeply with, I suppose, the First Nations people, that you would learn that sort of stuff. So I would hope that um, because sport can be such a powerful tool in transcending, you know, gender, sexuality, political views, like this is a real way where the NRL can can, can take a stance and these leaders, the people like Luttrell or Josh Adokar, um, Cody Walker, they can really make a stand. I would like them to talk about it as articulately as you do, not just mm. say I'm not going to play, I'm not going to sing it because, you know, whilst we can and we will and learn about it from, from the internet and whatever, but young kids totally. out there might not and they just go, well, oh, why? And then do they have that 
intelligent discussion at home over dinner with their mum and dad who might not know enough about it mm. either. So, you know, there is maybe not the time and place at a press conference at an all-in to explain in great detail um, mm. why and how it doesn't sit well with them. But by just sort of saying the statement, I'm not going to, it doesn't represent me and then we don't hear anything more. It, yeah, it, I think there needs to be a bit more analysis, a uh, bit more explanation, maybe some context around it because, you know, when, when Anthony Mundine comes out and says, I don't want to sing the national anthem, because of all the outspoken stuff that Anthony Mundine has said in his time being, in, in a, per, being a person of public profile, there's a section of society that as soon as he opens his mouth go, I don't want to hear what he has to say. And it's... Well, that um, just completely mutes the argument. It does. And it, that's not, as you say, it's not the right way. And It's not the way yeah, forward, yeah. no. And so I just think, yeah, I, I would like to think that the, the players are doing their own research and that they they, they feel comfortable enough um, to be able to sort of like succinctly and articulately explain why because there would be kids out there that, that do the kangaroo ears or that would do the goanna after Greg Inglis would score and they would want to follow in their footsteps and they want to go, okay, you don't want to sing it but why? Just please explain it. It's it's a similar situation when um, the players, when it's Indigenous round or when we talk about the All-Stars and they go, it's really important to me and you go, okay, well, why is it important to you? And sometimes they struggle to actually articulate what that means and, some, you know, I... I try to help them if I can, but, I mean, I'm not playing, but I would think, well, there's a jersey for your club, there's a jersey for your state and your country. When you put the All-Stars jersey on, that re- that represents you and all of your ancestors and the people that um, have been there and paved the way for you that in Australia we don't actually acknowledge. So it's a really special time. But some of them maybe don't have that perspective or um, maybe don't have um, – the confidence to maybe put it like that to the public or to journalists. And I know when I do some of the work with the Indigenous girls when they come through, like with the NRLW last year, they're like, what do you say when a journo says what means more to you, playing for the Gillaroos or playing for, like, the All-Stars? And Because it's a really difficult conversation because journos are looking for maybe a headline or, or looking for a good story and some of the girls really grapple with it because they can't quite communicate or articulate or put into words how special it is to be able to represent your family and, and your mob um, when it's very easy for everyone in the country to go, oh, you put the green and gold on? Yeah, of course that's special to you. That's something that's like it's a known, whereas when we're talking about culture and history and things like that, it's um, they're harder things to, um, I suppose, encapsulate and then tell, tell the rest of the population. Does that make sense? No, it makes complete sense to me. Um, yeah. The fact that there's any controversy is disappointing in some ways because you only have to go back to when Ricky Stewart was coaching the Australian team uh, when he was in between NRL coaching jobs between the Sharks and then Parramatta and he was coaching the Aussies and he and Ronnie Palmer, uh, the great Ronnie Palmer, the Balmain Charmer who mm. everyone, if you watch any rugby league, you would recognise him. He's been around forever, Ronnie, yep. play, playing the game and then been a trainer for decades and decades and decades. A fantastic fella. Box of energy. Ronnie Palmer that. would lead the national anthem singing lessons for the Australian team because Ricky was fairly adamant that he wanted the Aussie team uh, to sing the song with great gusto when they were lining up before the game. So, and because for a long time, basically the players didn't sing the anthem before the game started, and which was in stark contrast to, I guess, the Wallabies. If it was the, compos- the closest comparison between the Kangaroos, the Australian Rugby League Kangaroos, and the Australian Rugby Union Wallabies. Um, if you look, they've, you know, they both play a similar code. They're both representing their country, mm. um, you know, around the world more so in the case of the Wallabies. But they would sing the anthem. Uh, pretty much. And the crowd at the at the rugby tests in general 
have been quite vocal in singing the anthem. Um, where that wasn't that hasn't really been the case at rugby league games, mm. and um, and certainly with the players as well. The rugby the test team pretty much didn't sing the anthem. That's not that long ago. That's only that's this decade. So it's gone from you know players not singing the anthem at all to what we now have, where there's an expectation that players will sing the anthem. So that in some ways has caused a you know cause a controversy when players do come out and say, I have my reasons for not wanting to sing the anthem, and mm. critics will say, you know, you've you've got to sing the anthem. My grandfather went to war, you know, for the flag and and for the anthem, and you know, and I think. Automatically, from my perspective, that's not the, that's why they, that's not why people went to war. People went no. to war for our way of life. Sure. And the flag is a little bit like a jersey for a football club. You're not you're, the club is the club, not because of the jersey. It's the it's the club because of the people and what the people at the club stand for. Mm. You know, club isn't four walls and a and a piece of material you put on your body when you go to play the game. That might be the colours you wear. Yeah. But it's not what makes the club the club. And the flag and the anthem is not what makes the country the country. They went and fought for us, mm. for our way of life and for our freedoms. And our freedoms give us the chance to protest, if you want to couch it in those terms, mm. as a protest for what's happening in the lives of these people right here in 2019. We went to war to protect the freedoms of those people to be able to say, in this situation, I'm going to take this stance mm. because of X, Y or Z. Yeah. Whatever, and it may this in this case, it's um, indigenous rights and a whole bunch of things that you've just so beautifully and eloquently put together there for us, Hannah. But um, you know, I, I I really get my, my I bristle up a little bit when people start talking about we, what about the flag and what about the anthem? Well, you know, the anthem's a song, yeah. And as you said, it hasn't been around. The one we now sing hasn't been around for that long. That long, yeah. Um, I used to learn it when I was a kid at school, but mm. as you say, it didn't officially become the anthem until into the eighties. Eighty four. So, and I'd yeah. finished school by that stage. So, right. um, you know, people people didn't go to war and and give up their lives and affect their lives and those around them in various you know theatres of war for a hundred years plus for a piece of cloth mm. or a song. Mm. It was it's about the our way of life and the way we approach things and how we see the world through our eyes and how we think people should be able to live their lives. And and ultimately it's meant to unite us. So if there's a large part of our culture and our history that mm-hmm. feel aggrieved and offended by it, I don't know, I might be too simple, but I, I, I don't feel attachment to the anthem in... In, a, in such a deep and profound yeah. way that if someone said they didn't want to sing it, you would then be deeply offended mm-hmm. by it. Yeah, And I have sort, stood up and sung the anthem with great gusto, not on many occasions because I don't really get the chance to be at sporting events as a spectator <laughs> where an Australian team is playing and that's mostly where I it's played. I hear the New Zealand anthem and I get more emotional hearing that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because it reflects culture. Yeah. It reflects them as a, you know, but, you know. The Maldives and the yes. Kiwis, yeah. And in, in a lot of ways, you know, the, the Kiwis have been at the forefront of looking at, you know, the, the past and their Indigenous, um, uh, you know, heritage and they have done a great job mm. in, you know, just the anthem, not just the anthem, but the land rights and a whole range yeah. of issues in New yeah. Zealand. The dual naming When you as well. go there, yeah. it is 
a stark difference to the way they have approached all these issues yeah. to the way we've done it. And we are, I guarantee, we are 15 to 20 years behind the Kiwis yeah. in lots of these ways, yeah. from my point of view. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, New Zealand's always done it so well. They're across the ditch and they are the smaller nation, but, they're, yeah, they're certainly at the forefront of of that. Um, but I think the NRL has a real opportunity, you know, to, to be a... F- to be a trailblazer, I suppose, in this space. You look at the AFL and the Adam Goods documentaries only just been released the the last quarter and that talks about the underlying racism that's affected Australians throughout the past and it is it has infected the present and it really um, limits our ability to change things for the future. Mm. Um, and, yeah, it's pretty powerful. And I, I don't want to compare the codes and, you know, we're always trying to one-up another um, because at the end of the day we're all working towards reconciliation and it takes everyone walking together to get there. Mm. Um, but I certainly think the NRL has this beautiful uh, chance with the great leaders that we're seeing emerge um, to to make a difference and actually to change the future. Mm. Because, you know, if, if you're over the back fence and your next-door neighbour said to you, I'm not happy about whatever it might be, mm. you wouldn't say to your neighbour, well, you're an idiot. You'd say, <laughs> Why? Yeah. What's what's your concern about whatever it might be? It well, might you could, be. but you'd end up on a current affair. Well, you'd probably end up on a current <laughs> affair. And any sane, sensible person wouldn't say, you're an idiot. You'd say, why? What, let's have a chat. Like, is the tree yeah. too big? Are the lemons dropping in your yard? Is the yep. dog barking at night? Whatever it might be. Yeah. So, you know, in this situation, and it's a story, as you've said beautifully again, Hannah, um, that will evolve in the years ahead. This discussion will continue to take place and... Hopefully there's a time coming in the very near future where we don't need to have these discussions. We don't need to have players stand up and say, I don't really feel like singing this song on this occasion because it doesn't talk about me, doesn't represent me, and I feel there's I've, I have reasons to not sing it, to, to make a small point in this case. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, you know, I'm sure there'll be bits made of it uh, off the back of Wednesday night. Sure. It'll be, there'll be stories about it in the news and in the papers and whatever else and talkback radio and all the usual outlets and Twitter and stuff. The people will be outraged and cra- carrying on potentially, but let's hope... Um, it's a peaceful protest. They don't need to be outraged. That's right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, let's, let's um, yeah... All move on with our lives and 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 see why. And cheer Latrell and Chambers killing each other on Suncorp <laughs> Stadium. Yes. Hopefully. Oh, amazing. Yeah. It was so good. Let's, not literally. Let's you know understand what's <laughs> happening and be part of the dis- this discussion because it's not going away. Yeah. No. You know, Australia, and, it sh- and it shouldn't go away as well. You no, know? it shouldn't go away. Australia. You know, I, I can. I'm. If it, they moved Australia Day to a more. Yeah, to a date that was you know more applicable. Um, yeah. That everybody thought was a really good date. Yeah. Um, to when, you know, Indigenous um, Torres Strait Islands and Aboriginals were given the vote. Sure. That would be a pretty good date for Australia. 100%. Though, for Make it the referendum, right? 1967. So, you know, there's lots of, yeah. lots of ways we can evolve the discussion and, um, you know, it, you might be listening, you might have taken offence to what we've said. If you have, I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Um, That's just the way we feel about things. And I'm sure um, it's a discussion that will continue on. So, mm. you know, it's not going away anytime soon. And that's a very good thing uh, from my perspective. Mm. Who's going to win the game? Queensland. Do you need to ask? <laughs> <laughs> Lara? Queensland will win game one. I think Queensland will win the series. I don't think it'll be a whitewash because the game's too good. The quality is too good. And even in all those years of dominance from Queensland, they only won like three zip once or tw- once or twice. Like it was never a whitewash every year. Um, so they'll certainly win game one up at Suncorp. And what will the score be? Mm. Just 12-10. 
Close. Like two but points. One yeah. point. Never, never much more than that. No, um, it's not going to be a blowout. My big concern out of this going into this game is that if the mail is true that Cleary's got one game, that is ridiculous and so unfair. If Cleary's got one game to prove his worth, wow. that is not the game to do it in an opening series game at You're Suncorp. setting him up to fail. That's unfair if, if that's Freddie's the case. picked him, you've got to – unless – I don't know. He's got to have done. He's got to. We've got to get spanked at Suncorp for there to be wholesale changes for game two. You've got to stick to your guns because you can't just name him for that game and, no. um, and then change him. Uh, I will say New South Wales by one, but as I've already said, so not confident at all. Uh, <laughs> I went up there once and swore I'd never go back in a New South Wales jersey because <laughs> I was like, oh my uh, god, they're crazy. They hate us. Like mm. literally, the the passion that the. The, the crowd has is fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's an so unbelievable good. experience. And if you're in Queensland, are amazing. It Especially is. if uh, Queensland have lost the first game of a series and it's game two or it's yep. one all going into mm. game three. I remember a, a game up there running out Queensland, you know, it was one all in the series and they, the noise will live with me forever. It's just one of those moments in, you know, in whatever years of sport now, three plus decades of doing this, um, that I just won't forget the noise when they ran out onto the stadium, I yeah. turned to whoever I was sitting next to in the media area and I said, well, there's no way they get yeah. beaten tonight. Yeah. How could you run onto this field oh. when the noise was like that and possibly get beaten? It's not like it, – that was an extreme that night. It was it was something special. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. we'll it's... see how it is. I'm sure it'll be pretty big on uh, Wednesday night. I'm going to say uh, – I'm going to say Queensland only through – Maybe the home ground advantage. Okay. I think maybe I think it. that will just be enough. Yeah. Maybe so basically you're all home. saying Queensland. I'm only saying New South Wales because I want them to win. Sure. It's just super hard to do it up there. Yeah. yeah. It's so great though. Yeah, if you're up in Queensland, enjoy it, enjoy the atmosphere and get down to Caxton Street. I remember a few years ago we were having pizza on Caxton Street after the game and the Queensland bus came down Caxton Street and Sammy Thider's banging on the windows <laughs> and I'm standing there like a fan waving my little heart out, <laughs> eating pizza after a big long night but it was just so fun. Mm. It was really great. Get amongst it. It's hard to think about it at the moment because there is, you know, such a big game on Wednesday night. But there's eight games next weekend, so we're <laughs> back to a full round. There'll be players backing up, all rested, as we said. Um, and uh, it begins on Friday night, so there's no Thursday night footy this week. Rabbitohs and Knights on Friday night at ANZ Stadium. Thoughts on this one? Ooh. That'll be a cracker. Um... It is a big game, isn't it's it? It's all about whether the Rabbitohs back up. and mm. I, I reckon Wayne will be cautious with his players because they say the quicker you back up, the better because your body just gets more and more sore as the weekend goes. Mm. Um, the Knights will be well rested. They've had the bye and they've only got what? It's only Ponga what? that's... Clamour and Ponga. Clamour and Ponga, Ponga yeah. Ponga um, out. Oh. I'm going to go on upset. I'll go the Knights. Knights? Yeah. Uh... Yeah. If you can give me a crystal ball and, and show me who's going to be available and who's playing. Yeah, that's um, it. It's hard. I'll say I'll say the Rabbitohs at home. but Yeah, I'm going to yeah, say Rabbitohs. Only just. I'm at the Tigers and Raiders on Friday night, also the second game at uh, Banquet. Oh. It's a cracking doubleheader, isn't it? Rabbitohs, Knights and Tigers, Raiders. Mm. Uh, I think the Raiders will probably get the better of the Tigers at Banquet. Their, yeah, I agree. their first home game I mean, at was having been lapped there by fifty-one to six by the Eels on the opening. It's not their jungle. Not their, not jungle. their jungle. Maybe not until it will they be make Friday. it their jungle, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Definitely gonna... think the Bulldogs were an awful opposition for the Raiders, and yeah. that Josh Hodgson was a huge out for them, and that they have coming up against a a team. Robbie can 
you know, have his day. Benji can have his day. Well, Robbie's got to fight jet lag himself after I coming back, back from Champions League from yeah. uh, the final. What was that yesterday morning? Mm. Um, he's going to f- arrive. I guess he's probably arriving in the country nowish. Yep. He's got to get ready for a game with a bit of jet lag and stuff to play the Raiders. On Friday night, he'll be pretty pumped though because his team Liverpool got up. Well, they lose Hudson Young, Corey Horsburgh. Yeah, got yeah. no Hodgson. Yeah, now you now you mentioned you've it. got Kotrick backing yeah. up. They're there for the Papali, taking. If the Tigers yeah. are White good enough, up. Yeah. and they're at five and six, so they need to keep winning to keep themselves in that Not bubble. Straightforward. Between as we said, fourth easy. and eleventh, they need to keep you know the eight within reach. So a win for them would uh, would may well even move them into the top eight. You know uh, what their win though maybe top, against. against the Bulldogs. I, I would like to think they get a lot of resilience and character building out of that because Jared Croker said to me afterwards, he's like, it's what you learn about a team. He's like, we have grit now. We never used to be a gritty team. That was a gritty win. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to think that they can keep that going. But, yeah, it's hard. Cool. Warriors and Storm on Saturday, the first of three games on Super Saturday over there at Mount Smart Stadium. Again, players backing up, especially uh, for the Melbourne Storm. The Warriors at home, um, Will be tough to beat. Mm. But but can you remember the Broncos game a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, I can. They couldn't score. Oh, God. That was because the Broncos were the uh, super wrestling, yeah. mixed martial arts experts of the millennium with their yeah. defensive tactics in that game and got away with a, a bit of uh, murder, I thought, in regards to what was happening on the ground in that game. But in the era of uh, let the game flow, uh, where the game doesn't flow so much when the referee doesn't blow the whistle and you can mm. wrestle and wrestle and wrestle and wrestle, then that's what you're going to get. You're going to get an 8-2 scoreline. Um, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say the Warriors, but again, it'll depend, depend on what's happening. Yeah, Cameron is. Smith will be fresh. He's sitting back watching yeah. Origin and um, he'll be ready to go. So, yeah, I'm going to go Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, I could change <laughs> my mind. The whole weekend is going to be a bit like that. Yeah. yeah, actually, I might change my mind. Melbourne. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I've changed to Melbourne. I'll flip Sharks, Eels. Away. Is Wade Graham back? I think he is. Uh, well, the talk was he would be back for this game. Yeah. yeah. yeah but he's got a fitness test on Wednesday, I believe. Mm. Will be the final sort of, uh, yep, green light, you're good to go. Is Sean Johnson back for that game? This or weekend. Not yet. Uh, no. um, maybe the week after. They did say round 12, but. Yeah, I mean, he might be back also. He's... We'll wait and see what. Teams are announced uh, tomorrow afternoon. Um, yeah, Sharks yeah. mine. Not convinced by Para at all, so yeah, Sharks. Cowboys are at home against the Seagulls up there in Townsville. The uh, nightcap on Super Saturday this week right here on Fox League. No ads during play. And uh, every game live every round. That might catch on, that uh, saying. Every game live cool. every round. It could catch on. Um, Cowboys and Seagulls, what do you think? Cowboys. Just because I've... Lars? Really mm, like him. Yeah, I'd say Cowboys. Yeah. Mike, Michael Morgan back, barring yep. injury, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Josh Maguire, maybe problematic for Turbo's him. Turbo's back, though, this weekend, isn't he? Is Tommy back? Yeah, there was some talk about Tom also being back, or the chance of playing against the Cowboys. Daly backs so. up. Yeah. If they got yeah, Jake, so they, Tommy. They Tom could... was meant to be back round 12, which was a split round. So, Tough game. Yeah. yeah Tough game. <laughs> so, it's so hard at the game, the rounds. After Origin games where the players are backing up on two, three, yeah. four days rest, whatever. The next one, the Broncos have to win. Broncos and Titans. Oh, it's a derby. Sunday, uh, the Broncos, you would think, given the Titans and Ash Taylor, we haven't spoken about Ash really mm. again today. We did, did a bit last week, but, jeez, uh, mm-hmm. his form, um, just pretty dire, isn't it, for the Titans yep. at the moment. It's hard yeah. to believe the Broncos would lose to the Titans, especially at home at Suncorp Stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll, of course, have players backing up. Um, Jai 
Arrow. We'll see how he goes. He missed, he missed his uh, final game against the, uh, for the Titans against the Seagulls last week, but he's That's playing right. Origin on Wednesday night, so we'll see how he fares off the back of it. Panthers and Roosters on Sunday also. Um, Penrith, well, they've just got to keep winning. Got the defending premiers again. We'll have a host of players backing up and players missing in Luke Keary in particular. I'm guessing yeah. Cooper Cronk will be good to go, having been rested from the Knights. Mm. The game against the Knights, part of the reason he was rested was they want him to be fresh and good while they've got players backing up That's through it. the origin period. So you think Cooper will be firing on all cylinders. And I'm going to take the Roosters against the Panthers. Yep. Yeah, I think Chookies as well. But James Maloney and Isaiah Yo meant to be back as well. So Maloney Jimmy, was back Jimmy. weekend. Excellent. That's it. <laughs> And Isaiah Yo played in the centres. But apart from that, oh, beautiful. Be good to go. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. I love it. Can we See, cut that bit out? Your focus was the dogs and the raiders. It was. That's so, all as, I did. As was mine. Put the blinders on. That's what you do. Well, you get the blinders on when you're working on games. I tell you, yep. people can say to me sometimes, who plays on Sunday? I'll go, I've got no idea. I've got to, <laughs> it's not the game gotta, I'm working I've on. I've got to go to know. the phone to have a look because <laughs> my focus is very much on the games that I am calling. Oh, uh, Bulldogs and Dragons on Monday, final game. Uh, should be a good crowd out there, hopefully, on the holiday Monday, you'd like to think, even though the Dogs have been battling in recent times and only have three wins out of 12. Mm. Uh, if the Dragons are to, yeah, be any chance, otherwise I would yeah, put the pen through them. If they were four and eight at the halfway mark, if I'm saying the Panthers can't make it, the Dragons have to win this one. Otherwise, yeah. um, it's all over for them as far as the W. Smith um, calculations are concerned. They might drop below the line next Tuesday when we do the podcast. We'll wait and see. But, yeah, I'm going to tip But you know, your special line that you've yes, got on yes, your yeah. They're yes. going to fall below. Yes, that's yeah. right. Uh, I'm going to say uh, Dragons mm. to get the cash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope so too. <laughs> well, look. I mean, it's always great when we get to the tip that involves oh, the dragons. It's hard. Yeah, Lara just Lars is battling. Lara just She's freezes up. Struggling so Corey Norman's meant to be back. Yeah, Lara's pumped. Yeah, from his Got cheekbone. Got the streamers out for that one. And uh, Corbin <laughs> Sims, right? There's Corbin. some, Look, there's some part of me that wants Queensland to win and Ben Hunt to have a blinder so that he hopefully comes back. Wouldn't that be a headline moment? Ben Hunt, man of the match, game one up at Suncorp. <laughs> After all the drama he's starts. had to put up with. No reason why it can't happen. Yeah. Why not? No reason why it can't happen. Um, but uh, it'll be wow. fascinating to see how the Dragons go against the Bulldogs because that is a must-win game for mine for the St George Illawarra boys. Hey, thanks for coming in, Hannah. It's been oh, fantastic. Thanks for having uh, me. You can lob in and uh, you won't be a first-time caller next time. Yeah, excellent. You'd be second-time caller. That's but it. But we'd love yeah. to have you back some stage in the near future. Oh, I'd love to uh, come I think back. the great Matty Russell is back uh, from his overseas um, spy work. Or maybe yeah. he's been up there spying on the Maroons. For, he's been oh, doing a bit of work for I Brandy and Betsy and yeah, well, that, Freddie. Yeah, definitely. He looks anyway. one. Yeah, he could be the mind coach. Who knows? Matty Russell might be the secret he's mind coach. He's the guy coach. getting five and a half K a pop. <laughs> Expect to win. Done, done, done. Done, done, done. We are done, done, done. We'll see you next week on Take Me Now. I've seen it all. Bye. Bye.